This is the Gambling Gauchos. I'm telling y'all right now, the country's gonna find out. Everything runs through Lubbock. Everything runs through Lubbock. Somebody turn on some damn music! You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos. Talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. We've got everything you need, money lines, memes, and matadors. Well, you want to quit, Ethan? That'll be the day. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro, the money line matadors, the casino cowboys, Parlay picket doors. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. With the gambling gauchos. Oh, and one more thing. It's all West Texas. It always has been. Welcome into the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. Athlete. Kyle, you feeling okay, man? I'm tired. Yeah. So you ran about seven or eight forties. All of them sub sub four pretty much. Then we got to the one we filmed and timed, and it was what? 501? Yeah, I still think, you know, with the element of human error, it could have been 499. Could have been five flat. You had it at 501. We'll yeah. just call it sub five. Sure. It could have been five, you know, one, four, five, two. I'm going the Dana Beers route. Okay. He went for 11 and nine. We call it 12 and 10. We're just going to say it was sub five. I think it's as close to sub five as you could get. Without actually being <laughs> sub five. <laughs> I will freely admit, though, that my reaction time may not be robotic. Um, people used to call me the laser, but not because I'm laser timed. So fair enough. Uh, the fastest time I ever recorded was a nine, nine. I'll let you just imagine the distance. Okay. It's a gambling gauchos. We're in the Cardinals sports center studio. Still don't have our uh, banner up chase. We'll get that up. Uh, but we do look fresh and clean in the Cardinals sports center studio, mostly because I bought this hat at Cardinals. Probably need a new one. It's a little sweat-ridden. That's okay. But it was $3 at the Cardinal Sidewalk Sale. Yeah, there you go. Christmas in July. But it's about to be actually Christmas. If you need to gear up, if you need to buy your friend, partner, husband, wife, daughter, son, mother, father, a Christmas gift, co-worker, mother, co-host. Hey, hint, hint. Hint, hint. Shop at Cardinals, uh, mycardinalsports.com, or right there in Lubbock. Get get him a get him a all all West Texas shirt. Get him a gambling gauchos hat. They'll love it. It's Baylor week. Um, now I tried to not do this, but it's hard to not look at West Virginia's past two opponents and compare the two results. Here's why you shouldn't. Baylor is bad on the road, but they've never won 
in Morgantown. Now, they've not won in Lubbock since 1990, but they have won in Lubbock. It's been a while. But here's the deal. Texas Tech was 4-0 to in turnovers against West Virginia. West Virginia was 4-1 to in turnovers against Baylor and won by three. So I think you could say even turnover game is probably closer, Texas Tech, West Virginia, and it's probably in Baylor's favor, Baylor, West Virginia. So you still have to go and play a clean game or take turnovers away. Um, but I don't read too much into the West Virginia result as Texas Tech's about to blow out Baylor. You have, I think, done a lot better in the turnover department, to your point of how key that might be to this game at home. Let's take out the second half of the Houston game. It was net zero versus Murray State. I don't think you got turned over, and I don't think you turned them over. You were actually minus one in that game. Oh, at the very end, was it? It was um, an arm punt by Barron. Okay. But after that, I think Texas was the only other game where you turned over the opposition twice. And, of course, it took overtime to do that, to get the second one. But I feel a lot more confident about this game being played in Lubbock versus even a neutral site. Like if this game was still played at Jerry World oh, yeah. or in Waco, I think, honestly, the home field advantage aspect might be kind of the deciding factor in this. I think these are two very even teams. Uh, but I agree. I agree. And I, I'm not going to sit here and say you're better coached or they're better coached. I think you're pretty evenly coached. Um, you've got a lot of Red Raiders over there. You've got some Baylor Bears over here. I think it's an equally intense game for both teams. Obviously, the halftime festivities for Texas Tech mean a lot, but I don't think they have any bearing on the game. Uh, you go? Uh, did you watch the cinematic recap? I know you did. You love it. Of course I did. The quotes in there of Joey McGuire recognizing a flat crowd pregame and going in there and saying, hey, if you can't get up for this game, something's wrong with you. If you're not going out there and creating your own energy, something's wrong with you. So I just don't envision this team ever coming out flat. Maybe they do eventually. Uh, I certainly don't think they will this weekend. If anything, it might be too keyed up. You want to know something I find interesting about that element of this game? Uh-huh. First off... Over the last decade, you haven't had a ton of really high-energy home environments. Right. Yes, when top five OU comes or when Texas comes. Or when Baker Mayfield returns. Exactly. That was kind of actually the specific game in my mind. Right. But Baker Mayfield, love him or hate him, I guess most of our listeners probably err more toward the latter. He knew what was coming. He embraced it. He fed off of it. And he played a really good game when they were here. Yeah. The vibe I get from Baylor is that they know they're walking into hornet's nest and they're scared of it. Certainly Baylor fans. I was going to say, not necessarily the team, because obviously we don't have quotes from the team, but everybody else isn't like, hey, let's embrace this. It's going to be a high-energy, fun game. It's like, crap, we're walking into a hornet's nest. The first tweet I saw was, oh, no, it's a night game. It's probably Mm -hmm. going to be a blackout. They're dreading it. Yeah. Not Because I think there's something to be said for like a mutual respect of your opponent's atmosphere and saying like, hey – they always have a great crowd. It's going to be a lively environment that everybody loves about college football versus crap. They gave us a night game, and it's a blackout, and that's the vibe I'm getting. So I think 
if the team is at all reflective of the fan base sentiments, it's already in their head and it's, it's Wednesday. You look at the, just the stats home and away for Baylor. Um, it's pretty drastic. They're a much better home team than road team. What do you think plays into that? Is it, is it just Blake Shapin? Is he more comfortable? Have they just played tougher opponents away? And really, it's not just this season. We talked about before the year that this schedule is tough for Baylor in most even seasons. Since 2018, and I know coaching changes, I get that. I get coronavirus, but you went poorly in 18, or at least 6-6, six and six, whatever it was for Matt Rule, and that was his second season, I think. Mm-hmm. And then you go into 2020 with a new coach in Dave Aranda, all the talent, the talent from a 10-win team, the talent that won the Big 12, and they went 2-7. and seven. Played for a Big 12 title. Didn't win the Big 12. In, in 21? In rules last season. Right. Played for it in 20. Won it in, played for it in 19. Yeah. Won it in 21 is what I was saying. Oh, okay. So you book in those two seasons yeah. with a dud in the middle. And that was this schedule. Yeah. I do think part of it is is shaping. You know, his good plays is what I see and led me to my bold prediction, if you recall, preseason, that he would finish as the uh, first-team All-Big 12 quarterback, which he's not going to. But the lows are really bad. Like, versus BYU, they just quit letting him throw. Yeah. And they kind of tried to explain their way around that, but I think they lost trust in him and they didn't want him throwing the ball. Then the West Virginia game... He's averaging 15 yards per attempt, just torching him. And then he has that fumble that gets returned for a touchdown. And it's like, man, it, this the swings are pretty exaggerated. And so I went on a Baylor podcast, Locked on Baylor. And what, what I said to their host was, if Baylor plays its best game, they'll win. But Texas Tech has a higher floor than Baylor. Because even in our losses, you've shown a lot of competitiveness with good teams and tough environments. It's just hard for me to see now seven games in the season, a scenario where you come out at home and play so bad that if Baylor is playing at 80% of their potential, that you fall to them. Because you just haven't you haven't put that on tape, just like 60 minutes of dreadful football. And Baylor, you know, they were, I think it was 14-7 to seven in the third quarter versus Texas State, who's not even a good group of five team. And It was tough at halftime. They lost, they were West Virginia's first Big 12 win. And that was in Waco. That one was in Waco. And so it is... Kind of Jekyll and Hyde with Iowa State because then I look at their game in Ames, and for as vaunted as we think that Cyclone defense is, on the road Baylor put up more points against Iowa State than they've surrendered to any opponent home or away. And so I look at that one performance, I'm like, well, they, they've outperformed anybody versus Iowa State, but then they've also just laid some eggs in, in certain quarters and halves of football this year. So it's hard to know what you're going to get. I think that I think your median performance is better than theirs, but I think their high end performance might be better than yours. They do have uh, some pretty good players, um, but it's not like they have the loaded offense that they did last year with just a bunch of athletes everywhere. Now, they still have athletes. Um, they're just green. Uh, you have freshman uh, Dick Reese, as Drake C. Toll likes to call him. Richard is his name, Richard Reese. Yeah, true freshman who's come on really strong the last couple games. True freshman, he's, he's got 643 yards and nine touchdowns, but he had a huge one against Kansas that – I think it was late that just kind of was like, okay, Kansas, we're done messing around. Yeah, you're within five now. Here's Richard Reese. 
It was like a 68-yard touchdown run. So I do think they have a lot of athletes, and they certainly can break out here in this game. But it's not like they have a bunch of Taekwon Thorntons out there. Mm-hmm. Now they have uh, Monterey Baldwin, who's got four touchdowns and averages 20 yards a catch. So I'll just to touch on that, sorry to interrupt you, I think that's another element of the Jekyll and Hyde boomer bust. Like your passing offense at Texas Tech is, I don't want to say nickel and dime, but you use short passes to supplement the run game. Baylor will line up under center, go play action, and bomb it over the top. And so a lot of their pass plays are very hit or miss. You know, they're not designed to get six or eight yards consistently. It's designed to take a number of shots and get 45 once out of every three attempts on something like that. Their offense, and I say this lovingly, is either Houston Texans era Gary Kubiak or like Denver Broncos Peyton Manning Gary Kubiak when they were the best offense in the league. They are play action to a fault. They try to misdirect you. Regardless of if the rushing attack is working or not, they're going to throw play at play action. Um, and some of it is quick play action like an RPO. Other is developed, long drawn out play action passes that have mesh points and drag routes. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, an underrated aspect of Texas Tech is they have the number one rated pass defense in the league if you're looking at metrics. If you're looking at passing efficiencies and all that. Now, you can look at 10 different stats and come up with 10 different Big 12 leader in passing mm-hmm. de- defenses, but in some respects, Texas Tech has one of the best defenses in the conference. In other respects, I think they struggle in places. Would you say... Well, first off, let me say that I think the term bend don't break for college football defenses is overused and cliche. We were sold on the idea that like David Gibbs's defense was bend don't break and it was really just break slowly. I think you actually have a bend don't break defense because you've surrendered a lot of field goals. You've recently said, okay, maybe we'll give up some yards, but we'll force turnovers. The way Baylor's offense is designed, like I said, so much of it is based on those deep shots. I feel like you just have to not give up the big play. Let them get a couple first downs and make them sustain a drive. Just don't get fooled on the eye candy, the motion, the misdirection, and get beat over the top for 60 yards. I think that Reggie Pearson and Dadrian Taylor-Demerson are huge pieces this week on defense. There are other games where I'd say you've got to stuff the run to beat them. You've got to get after the passer. This time, i just say keep it in front of you. And let the chips fall where they may. One well, Dunlap and Rashad Williams too. Uh, and, and I would push back a little bit that you're been don't break. You're kind of just don't break because a lot of the times when you're holding teams to field goals, they're getting the ball in your territory because of not getting fourth downs or offensive turnovers. So, in a lot of ways, you're just a not break defense. You don't really bend much. You have bent at times. Um. But, yeah, I do think that's an apt description of what this defense does. I want to run through the last three games Baylor has played, Oklahoma State, Kansas, and and West Virginia in in between those two games. These are their scoring plays. Baylor had a 49-yard pass against Oklahoma State, a one-yard run, I'm not sure what set that up, and a 70-yard pass where there are three touchdowns against Oklahoma State versus West Virginia, 
before Shapin got hurt and left the game, I think in the third quarter, they had a one-yard run. Again, don't know what set that up. 35-yard pass, 39-yard pass, and then a couple short scores. Again, don't know what set up those scoring plays. And then against Kansas, they had a 17-yard pass, 14-yard run, a couple short runs, which is just to say, again, I think that like that game against Oklahoma State is not competitive if they don't give up a 45-yard touchdown pass and a 70-yard touchdown pass. And the West Virginia first half, like that was a competitive game through and through, 43-40 to 40, final score. But would Baylor have been able to sustain multiple eight or ten play drives without those big plays? I don't know. Especially not with their backup quarterback once Chapin got hurt. I don't think they would have. So Well, they didn't. It kind of takes me back to Kansas State and how you lost that game. It was... A 69-yard run by Deuce Vaughn, a 69-yard run by Adrian Martinez, a 65-yard run by Adrian Martinez that sets up first and goal. You just can't allow that. And on the drives where you made them snap the ball six, seven times, you usually forced a punt. And so I say just avoid the big play on defense. And and that's where I, I do wonder. And yeah, just, just avoid the big play. Well, I just can't help but be concerned like – you're not obviously going to back down from your aggressive fourth down strategy on offense, but I also really don't want to aid the other team in the field position game as much as you have. You're, you're surrendering the worst starting field position in the country right now based on average yards to gain for opposing offenses. And I just don't think Baylor has the juice to sustain drives over and over. And I kind of don't want to play the field position game with them. And if they're going to struggle to go 80 yards consistently, why give them a short field? But at the same time, I recognize it's part of your identity and you're not going to change that mid-season or mid-game. So that kind of is what it is. In conference games, Texas Tech is averaging 30 first downs a game. Baylor third in the conference at 25. You're talking about sustained drives. Uh, but you go to... Um, Third and fourth down conversions, which I know you love. Uh, because you're talking about going forward on fourth down, setting them up. Well, there's only one team that goes for it nearly as much as you do, and that's Baylor. Bay- mm-hmm. Baylor's gone for it on fourth down 15 times. They've been in 51 third downs. Texas Tech has been in 76 third downs. And they've gone for it on fourth down just in conference play 25 times. Uh, you hit it at a 68% clip. They hit it at a 73% clip. They're slightly better on fourth down at 41.2. You're at 38.2. I do wonder, though, imagine this atmosphere and environment if Baylor goes for it on fourth and two and gets stuffed, how detrimental that is for their momentum, their confidence, like, I know it's always big to get a fourth down stop, no doubt. However, I could I could totally see the game turning on a huge defensive stop like that. If Baylor's going to be that aggressive, they're also lending themselves to the possibility of a huge momentum swing if they fail to get it. Defensively, you stop opponents on third down 35% of the time, third best in the conference. Baylor gives up third down conversions wait, 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 50% wait, wait. of the time. You stop them 35% of the time? Well, they have a 35%. Yes. 
Or they only convert 35% of the time? They convert 35%. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I said that backwards. Yeah, if you were only right. stopping them Not 35 they that'd don't be have a dreadful. Yeah, they don't have a 70% conversion. Uh, Baylor at exactly 50, you're at 35. Baylor's, Stop rate. Baylor's surrendering 50% of third downs? Yeah. They're toast, if that holds. I told you before that if you combine third and fourth down, 45% kind of seems to be the tipping point for a good team versus a bad team. So if you're getting 50 on third down and not even having to rely on fourth downs that much, then any fourth down you get is kind of like a bonus. If you're converting 55% in this game, it's... Yeah. Teams have gone for it on fourth down five times against each team. Baylor has stopped two out of five. You've stopped. Baylor has given up two out of five, and you've given up three out of five. Interesting. So you're much better on third down in a, in a larger percentage. You're about even on fourth down in a much, much smaller percentage. Um, but put all that together, and you're way better on third and fourth down than they are. Something that I learned about the Baylor defense when I went on the Locked on Baylor podcast is that they, at a very high clip, play with two high safeties trying to keep everything in front of them. And they do that because they've got a young secondary. They don't want to leave the corners on an island because they're replacing a lot in the secondary. They had NFL talent in last year's secondary. They could probably be a little bit more aggressive in some of the looks their secondary gave. Am I crazy for thinking that that look plays to your advantage if you can be patient on offense and run that sideline pass over and over and over and just give it to Miles Price, Nehemiah Martinez, and Xavier White, let the tight ends and your six foot five receivers block and let the safety come down from 15 yards and try to make the tackle on that play. But to me, if you're blocking the corners well on that play design, you should be able to get five yards at yeah. will every time you want to, if they're going to play you like that. And then and then bust the double move and As soon as they roll the those safety. safeties down. Yeah. yeah. So, I, again, you're not going to have a – you've very rarely just dictated terms in the run game, the traditional run game. So if you're not going to do that – I hope Miles Price has 13 receptions for 82 yards. Yeah, or Xavier White. Yeah, and they just get six yards every time they want on that play and well, just do that instead of run the ball. This could be the Nehemiah Martinez game. Could be. Because you look at both those guys. I mean, he's a running back out there. And Xavier White quite literally is a running back out there. Um, and I think both of those guys can be dynamic. Uh, you've seen Xavier White be dynamic. And Nehemiah Martinez has scored in... Three different games? He has three touchdowns, one apiece in the last three games. Xavier White, did you say? No, uh, Neymar Martinez. Oh, pardon me. I think me. he also has three touchdowns. He he scored against Houston, Houston. Kansas State. And then did he score against Texas? I don't remember. He certainly scored against Houston, and uh, maybe he scored against Murray State. Anyways, you've seen both of them score, and you've seen both of them break some tackles and be physical. So Somebody did... A, a, a Baylor guy was talking about how Baron Morton and the offense against Oklahoma State seemed like a great matchup for Baylor's defense. I do not know if he meant good for Baylor or good for Texas Tech. To me, it seems like if you're going to dink and dunk and live underneath and they're playing two high safeties, you're going to be able to complete every pass and move down the field at will. Now, you're going to have to convert plays and score. Um, because that, that is a recipe for a bunch of field goals. Uh, and you're going to have to convert field goals. If you want to play that game, you're going to have to stop them from scoring touchdowns, but 
you can move in between the 20s like that. Mm-hmm. I just think, like I saw this take that, you know, how are you going to stop Siaki Ika? They're a big defensive tackle. It's like, well, we're not going to be running it up the gut. If your run plays are 20 yards away from where the ball is snapped because you're just flicking it out to Nehemiah Martinez or Xavier White, how is the defensive tackle going to factor into that at all? Now, if we were trying to do power run game 35 times on Saturday, okay, yeah, that'd be a huge factor. And, and you're going to have to hold up against him in the, in the drop-back passing game. But I'm like, I mean, to me, you can kind of scheme away from where the, the strength of their defense is in the middle and make their corners and safeties tackle you in space. If they're going to play two high safeties, just dink and dunk it all day. You, you threw that five-yard hitch to Tharp a bunch of times against West Virginia, had a bunch of success doing that. On third and fourth down, yeah. I, so I don't know what that Baylor analyst meant. I don't know if he meant it's a good matchup for Baron Morton and the Tech offense or if he was saying that Baylor stacks up well against what we're trying to do. If he meant the latter, I, I tend to disagree. When you just look at the Oklahoma State game, because that's what he's talking about, he wasn't even mentioned in the West Virginia game. Does he think that Baylor's defense is as good as the Oklahoma State defense or is dynamic? I don't know. Because before the season, we heard a lot of that, that Baylor was going to have the best defense in the league and that their front seven was incredible and you had all this pass rush and we just ne- have not seen that from the Baylor defense this year. They have not been as productive as people thought they would be. I'm also not sure what he meant by in a vacuum. Like, I don't understand what that context adds but before the injury, Baron Morton was torching Oklahoma State. And so if he's saying that Baylor's defense somehow resembles Oklahoma State's talent-wise, yeah. schematically, I find it hard to believe he was saying that this bodes well for Baylor. Because until that ankle, Baron Morton was getting whatever he wanted for the most part. So since the first two, three drives against Oklahoma State, really since, you know, through the first drive of the second half, I would say. Because then he really started to get pretty slow. You've not seen a 100% Baron Morton. Uh, he was getting an IV before the West Virginia game because he was thrown up all morning. And you could tell he looked slow early in that one as well, even yeah. though he led touchdown drives and he got up 14 to nothing. Um, I, I just... Talking through the game, I'm really talking to myself, and, and I said it Sunday as a joke, but... I really do think Texas Tech can win this by two two touchdowns. I'm uh, I'm nervous to be confident, just because it's been a while and <laughs> we've been hurt before. But I, I'm trying to look at this objectively, and looking at if they are going to play two high safeties, and even if Baron Morton isn't 100 percent or if he's not playing well, I think both of your other two quarterbacks. And I don't want to go off on that tangent about who's starting and why did McGuire say you'll see all three all that. If Shuck plays or Donovan plays, I think any of them could beat this team. I think that highly of all three. I think that hopefully they're not asked to do too much against this Baylor defense, that it'll be a lot of short and intermediate passing game. So, yeah, I am confident. I I might pick Baylor just on the emotional edge because, again, I'm unfamiliar with being confident against a a competent team like Baylor. One, it's a small line, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to have to pick Texas Tech by two touchdowns. But right. I certainly think Texas Tech will win this game. And you, you talk about just from an emotional if if emotions help this game, they'll help Texas Tech. Certainly. If emotions hurt this game, they'll hurt Texas Tech. Because I think there's a lot more fire on the Texas Tech sideline than 
the Baylor sideline. And that, that generally, in my opinion, is a plus for Dave Aranda. He does not get too high. He does not get too low. He is an even keel head coach, not a fiery motivator. Joey McGuire is the opposite. Now, we have not seen him get too low or too high, but certainly from my perspective, that seems like it could happen. Maybe he, maybe he is the perfect mix and can ride it perfectly, and we've seen him do that pretty well this year, uh, has navigated some tense situations as well, but maybe this is the kind of game that gets out of hand because Texas Tech is too invested. We just don't know yet. I want to take you through a worst-case scenario for the first half of this game. Let's say Texas Tech only scores seven points, or six points even. And Baylor has 21. Now, who knows exactly what went wrong to get to that point. But you're down by two touchdowns at halftime. Maybe you need to make a quarterback change depending on who's starting. Or, But is anybody leaving the game at halftime with the halftime festivities and ceremonial items? No. Uh-uh. Are we out of the game when we fall down by two touchdowns? Not uh, so far, no. What was the score versus Texas at halftime? 30, no, 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 Twenty. I'd have to go look. You were down. You're down by two touchdowns, right? Yeah, ten at least. Yeah, or, yeah. Maybe it was just two possessions. I I don't see you being out of this game until halfway through the third quarter. Worst case scenario, and this team over and over has proven itself to be tougher than I am as just a fragile, emotional fan watching the game. And I'm ready to be like, well, crap. You know, we laid an egg. We're gonna lose this game, and then they come back and at least make it competitive, even if they don't win. And so I just I, I would be so disappointed and surprised if this is not a very competitive game at minimum into the second half. And really that's if you play kind of as bad as you have all year. If you're playing a good game, I think you can certainly I don't know if you I don't know if I want to say you'd lead wire lead wire to wire. But like you alluded to on our last episode, you get some confidence, that's a dangerous thing. If we're up by ten at halftime and things are clicking and you just carry that momentum through the final 30 minutes of the game and you have that performance stacked on top of the West Virginia performance, then it's like, okay, let's go. Who Who's more confident right now? Tech. Without a doubt. I mean... Getting to play this game in front of their home crowd with a couple common opponents under their belt now. Because Baylor basically got the same result against Oklahoma State that you got, yeah. except you had to play in Stillwater. They played in Waco. You got very different results versus West Virginia. Same deal. They had to go to Morgantown. You had to, you played in Lubbock. Yes. But yeah, it feels like you're trending up, and it feels like they've underwhelmed through seven games. This was another bizarre thing I saw in the in the Twitterverse. It was a Baylor analyst. I can't remember which website or whatever they were affiliated with. They said Baylor's four and three is more impressive than Texas Tech's four and three. Yeah. What I saw that. How? What What is their best win on their resume right now? Is it Iowa mm. State and Ames? I guess. I mean, they beat Texas State and Albany in Waco. You both lost by 10-ish in Stillwater. Well, they lost in Waco to Oklahoma State. That was in Waco. Yeah, they lost by, I think, 9. You lost by 10. Two-possession game. With the first start ever by a a redshirt freshman. They hung on after playing a really crappy second half against Kansas in Waco. Almost imploded. They lost to BYU on the road in an ugly game. In overtime. BYU is no good. BYU is 4-4. Four and four. They're 4-4. Four and four. So I don't understand. Look, for 
all the clowning we do on Texas, and they've got three losses, they've underwhelmed. All the analytics still have them as like a top 10, top 15 team in the country. So I, I feel like that win is more impressive than anything Baylor has on their resume. Your win over West Virginia is probably as good as West Virginia's best win, second best win. So I'm looking at these four and three resumes, and I'm going, okay, all three of your losses were on the road to, at the time, ranked teams. Most of them still ranked. NC State might have fallen out. Your three losses are to a pretty bad BYU team, or we'll say mediocre, at home to Oklahoma State and on the road to a West Virginia team that Tech just beat by 38 a week after you played them. Yeah. And West Virginia had nine days to prepare for that game instead of six. This was the... uh, I think this was the same crew that was also saying that the Texas Tech coaching staff is way more involved in this game because they all used to be at Baylor. Uh, does he not know where Dave Aranda got his big break? Does he not know that Aaron Hunt used to play at Texas Tech and hammer Baylor every year? Kevin Curtis. Does he not know that Kevin Curtis is coming in town early to be inducted into the Hall of Fame? He'll be here Friday night. You think he's focused right now? Or is going to be laser sharp on Friday night when he's hanging out with all his Texas Tech buddies? That was a weird take. And, like, they said they were surprised at the vitriol being spewed by Tech fans about the culture in Waco. Why do people always do this? Have you, uh, earnest question, have you seen any quote-unquote vitriol from a Tech fan about Matt Rule or Dave Aranda's culture? Zero. I've not seen a single bad word about it. Now, the only, the closest thing to it, are a couple of Tech fans who follow us on Twitter that also happen to be Panthers fans, and they thought Matt Rule deserved to be fired in Carolina. Well, I, I that's, have, that's as close as I've seen. I have seen that, uh, well, all your good culture is in Lubbock now because Joe, Joey was the leader. But we, we saw that from TCU fans. Is that not true? Like, wasn't that Stats of War saying that? Yes. <laughs> like, that wasn't even from Tech fans. Well, I'm sure Tech fans repeated it, but yeah. But here's the deal. People, every fan base, every fan base that Texas Tech plays will throw a grenade or or it's the Eric Andre meme where they shoot the dude in the chair, they shoot Hannibal, <laughs> and then they hold the gun up and say, why are they mad? Yeah. They say, wow, Lubbock's a shithole. Ho, 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 ho. Why are y'all hating? This is just a football game. Yeah. Man, Texas Tech sucks. They can't beat it. Whoa, whoa. Why are you so sensitive? Why are you so sensitive? Well, this is this is you're not coming off Texas Tech's worst decade. The '80s were the de- worst decade, and we're way better than you. Well, Baylor, you were in the freaking dumpster for decades. The worst team in the Power Five. Kansas State was the worst team in football for a long time. They have been really good for the rest of the time. They're the second winningest program in the Big Twelve. I have all the respect in the world for Kansas State. Emaw, baby. They have climbed for a long time out of this. Iowa State has been average to above average for now five years. Seven, seven years. I have all the respect in the world for Iowa State and Matt Campbell for crawling out of it. Baylor, on the other hand, has been good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. They've played in two Big 12 championships, and they think they're the kings of football. You suck as a program all time. <laughs> I like the take that they lean on. So I don't, to their credit, I don't think they claim a ton from the Bryles era. But they're like, when was Texas Tech's last outright conference championship? Like, okay, you have one of those. 
that wasn't associated with Art Bryles since, I don't know, did they win it in the 90s in the Southwest Conference or something? I don't know. No. But, but, but they, say they didn't that, win anything in the 90s. They say that like they're OU and they've won, you know, eight of the last 10 well, or something. Well, they won the last one. That's why. But it's just like, okay. And, and to their credit, yeah, they have a Big 12 title. Tech doesn't. But like, let's also talk about the floor of these programs. Because you went, you went one and nine for a decade. In our worst decade, we were bowl eligible about half the time. In your worst decade, there were years where you didn't win a conference game. And then, okay, the the analysis of the all time series is hilarious to me because they're like Tech won eighteen in a row and still doesn't own the all time series. I'm like, there are other stretches where Baylor won fourteen out of fifteen and nine yeah. out of ten. Yeah, and y'all own it by one. They act like they've got this 30-game cushion despite us winning 20 years in a row. I'm like, it's been a streaky series throughout. Right. If you, go, if you want to dive further, if you want to dive further since they want to play this game, since you've been in the same conference as them, because a little bit unfair to, a, to compare a Southwest Conference team to a Border Conference team, since Tech was elevated to the Southwest Conference, I think they've got a few games advantage. You want to take it further and say since integration when African-Americans were allowed to play the game of football, which seems like an important distinction. I think Baylor's advantage was 19-7 to prior to integration of the Southwest Conference. You take that away, and Tech has a dozen game cushion in the all-time series. So if they want to go all, like, zoom in and overanalyze it, well, if you don't count Baylor's worst 16 seasons, they actually lead the all-time series by this much. Like, okay, well, let's chop it up some other ways and do it since we've been in the same conference or since racial integration, since World War II, you know, different markers of what we would call the modern era, because essentially what they're doing is pounding their chest about a bunch of wins from the Great Depression. Yeah, so in the Southwest Conference, um, in the 80s, they went to three bowl games. In the 90s, they went to three bowl games. When the Big 12 starts in 96, they go 4 and 7, 2 and 9, 2 and 9, 1 and 10, 2 and 9, 3 and 8, 3 and 9, 3 and 9, 3 and 8, 5 and 6, 4 and 8, 3 and 9, 4 and 8, 4 and 8 to 2010 when they finally get above 500 and into a bowl game. Just so happens that's Art Bryles' third year. Yes. And then in the next five seasons, they go 10 and 3, 8 and 5, 11 and 2, 11 and 2, 10 and 3. Then obviously you have the Jim Grobe year where they went 6 and 6 and won a bowl game, 7 and 6. And then Matt Rule gets hired goes 1 and 11. The next year they go 7 and 6, 2018, that's an even year. Then they go 11 and 3 and lose the Big 12 championship. I was kind of stumped on the Locked On Baylor podcast cuz Drake, who is still a senior at Baylor, so he's kind of a different perspective on this cuz he's coming of age while Baylor is like winning a Heisman and playing in Fiesta Bowls and all this good stuff. He was like, well, give me some of your most memorable Tech versus Baylor games. And I'm kind of like, uh, there are none? Yeah. Like, y'all's greatest decade ever. The butt fumble? Yeah. <laughs> y'all's greatest decade ever corresponded with our worst, so those games weren't terribly memorable. Memorable. It's just Art Bryles kicking our ass. I mean, And then before that, there's not a single, we beat you 20 years in a row when y'all were the doormat of the Power Five. There was no memorable games. 2014 was an incredible game, but yeah. it didn't really matter because you're trying to win your fifth game. And they were four and eight, to, and they're on the doorstep of the playoffs. Yeah, well, was there? Was that the first year of the playoffs? Yeah, they were. They were the first team out. I get or them and TCU were five and six in some kind of order. Yeah, they might have been. But right. They were number four when you played them. I think. Yeah. I think that's funny. They're so tech fans. Back when we were doing the Longhorn Fact Wednesday, or whatever that was with Umlong. 
Tech fans would just not respond to what Kyle would say, like, well, we have this many Big 12 titles. And Tech fans would be like, well, what about this other thing that wasn't germane to what Kyle was talking about? Baylor fans kind of do that. Like I just pointed out in that six degrees of Texas Tech Baylor thread that Mahomes threw for 600 yards. And somebody quote is like, and still lost. Like, congratulations. You beat a four and eight Texas Tech team. Yeah. And you're a top five like, team. Congrats, I guess. Another one that was funny was, I don't know why we're recapping all the Twitter trash talk, but I thought this was funny. The tweet from the Baylor fan was essentially like, Texas Tech has no athletic success to talk about. And I said, well, other than the trips to Omaha in the last 10 years, the fact that we have more NCAA tournament wins than anybody in the Big 12 besides Kansas, who just went on a run to win the national championship and a men's track and field national title in the last three years, yeah, there's not much athletic success to speak of. And then they quote me and they're like, oh, congrats on winning more NCAA tournament games than anybody but Kansas. I'm like, well, you asked about our athletic success. Right. And that's kind of the metric that people care about in basketball is NCAA tournament. So if I was setting up with a Baylor fan, I would say Baylor and Texas Tech football programs are probably pretty even all the time. I mean, you're 40 and 39, but even beyond that, I think you they've had some pretty good stretches, you've had some pretty good stretches, and neither of you have reached the pinnacle. There's zero national championships between the two. Their highs are higher. Their lows are much, much, much lower. Are, are there high... Look, they, because, because you, you they've had, won a you New had Year's Six Bowl. You had 2009. They had two or three of those. They have a Heisman Trophy. Sure. Red, they, uh, they have a Sugar RG3. Bowl win. But their Sugar Bowl win, they lost two games that season. Tech lost one game in the regular season. 08. didn't even get it's a shot to play for a BCS. Yeah. So some of that is circumstance. And I'm not trying to make excuses and stuff. Well, but here's the deal. But their down period was so bad. All-time record. 5-1-4 winning percentage for them. Yeah. Five five two for Texas Tech. You've been to thirty nine bowl games. They've been to twenty six. You have eleven conference championships. They have nine. Debate the merits on your own time. I love the border conference. Debate the merits on your own time. They have six hundred and twenty five wins all time with a twenty seven year head start. Uh, you have five eighty six. They have a, a Heisman winner. They have more consensus All Americans. More draft picks, and they've spent more time in the, the AP poll. Neither of you have been at number one. To me, that's all pretty negligible, and it's a 40-39 to 39 series. And to me, there should be some respect here, but I see Baylor fans calling Baylor daddy to Texas Tech. And I just I don't understand – how this program that I grew up with as the worst program in the Big 12, like they in were the Kansas. country, they were Kansas. They were worse than Kansas. And, and, there was a stretch. I can't had, remember what it was. They've had five good years, seven good years out of the last 15, and now they own football. And I just I don't understand their mindset. And maybe it's just, just because they're all young. Maybe I think that's is. what it is. Maybe it is just a bunch of young Baylor fans who don't understand the history and don't understand. And it's not like I'm old. I'm only 33. No, but even even me, I'm a few years younger than you. I've been a football nut since I knew what I was watching on TV. And so I remember being eight years old and seeing Baylor losing 59-3 to to Nebraska at halftime. Totally different than anything Tech has ever experienced in the modern era. Well, and I think... <laughs> Look, I'm biased, 
And you and I try to have a Big 12 view, but this is a Texas Tech podcast. Um, I try not to be a huge homer all the time, but sometimes I fall into it. And to me, Texas Tech just has a higher ceiling than Baylor. Now, Baylor has been at their ceiling, I think. But I still think as a program, Texas Tech has a higher ceiling, and maybe that's untrue. Maybe Baylor has gotten to the ceiling because that's their ceiling, and and Texas Tech just doesn't have that path. But to me, they had an opportunity to hire Joey McGuire and chose Dave Aranda, and I think they're happy with that. He won a Big 12 title. But they also saw James Blanchard walk away to follow Joey McGuire. And they saw Brian Nance stay at Baylor and then get poached as soon as the other guy left. And they saw Bookbinder and Jake Pittman. Jake Pittman, the son of, or the grandson of Grant Taff. I didn't know that. And And, and uh, Bookbinder. Bookbinder. Yeah. They saw two Baylor legacies walk away. They saw Harrison Hanna walk away. To follow Joey McGuire, that's got to burn a little. When I see Kevin Curtis, who used to coach at Texas Tech and was on Cliff's staff at Baylor, I say, hey, good for you, man. I wish you were here at it a better stings, time. Though. It does sting. The fact that your all-time sacks leader, Aaron Hunt, is Aaron crushing Hunt. it at Baylor. I'm like, man, do, and you, I, do you want to change the scenery? Do you want to come back to Lubbock? I like Zarnell Fitch, but I really wish Aaron Hunt would have been the guy who was Well, Aaron Hunt brought. does more of like the personnel and scouting, so I feel like you could have both, hopefully. Yeah, maybe so. So I'm like, fingers crossed. Maybe some guys didn't want to leave last year. Yeah. But – the coaching carousel, man. But there's a ton of there's a ton of crossover in this game. Yeah, and we talked about it last week with West Virginia. There's even more this week, and you see it all the time in the Big Twelve. But Baylor and Texas Tech right now, because of Joey McGuire and because of Hunt and Curtis and uh, the bookbinder and Pittman and Hannah and Blanchard and everyone that was over there, uh, James Lockhart, who was like a six year player at Baylor, was there forever, is an assistant at Texas tech. So there's just a bunch of real history here. And I don't want it to get clouded by the fact that Baylor just, I don't know, think, and I, I, maybe they're deflecting because they know they're going to get their ass kicked, but I just, I don't get some of it on Twitter. I don't either. I think some of it is just the age discrepancy. Anybody roughly our age or a little bit younger who went to school at Baylor, they got there. They showed up, and the first Baylor football game they ever went to, they're like, oh, wow, RG3 is winning the Heisman Trophy, and we just beat OU, and oh, we got a brand-new stadium my sophomore year. Oh, look, we get to untarp the field. We won the Big 12 title. Oh, we're playing in the Fiesta Bowl and losing to UCF. Because that's a thing that happened. But anyway, um, I want to make a call to action to our Big 12 rivals. But before I do, I want to give a shout-out to Rahino Barbecue. Hey, if you're coming in from Waco or wherever, Baylor fans that are visiting, Tech fans coming in from out of town, you got all day Saturday to either get out to Olton or go find the mobile food truck. Best pregame meal you will find in West Texas, Rahino Barbecue. They'll be at a tailgate, right? I don't want to spoil. I'm not spoil. sure. Go to the. Well, we were gonna we were gonna be with them Saturday, but I think they're at the. I don't want to say it. Go follow their Instagram because yeah. I think they'll be on campus Saturday. At, at Rahino BBQ, follow them on social, figure out where they're at. We get that question all the time. Where do I go eat? So if you're coming back for Patrick Mahomes' induction into the Ring of Honor and haven't been back to Lubbock in a while, go check out our friends at Rahino Barbecue. 
here's my call to action. I engage and I enjoy engaging in friendly banter. As you know, I don't trash talk. No, no, no. You just say facts. Like Texas Tech has beaten Baylor every time they've come to Lubbock since 1990. True. That's just a fact. That's not talking trash. Can our friends from around the conference get new material? Because I'm tired of like, Lubbock, am I right? Okay, good one. I get it. It smells bad. You're a candy ass. You have to live in a metro of 2 million more people because... If there aren't 350 Starbucks within a mile of you, you just can't survive. And what would life be like if you didn't sit in traffic for 45 minutes both ways to and from work? And if your house didn't cost three times what mine did, even though mine is nicer, it's so bad living here. I just can't. I'm so bored all the time, Rob. I have no hobbies. Yeah. There's no hiking. There's no There's no state parks. There's no wineries to go to. Or there's no arts and entertainment district. There's no... Major college athletics to go watch yeah, if you're you a sports fan. You can't get to the second largest canyon in the country within two hours. It's brutal. I hate it here. Can they come up with something? Like, I get that it's not for everybody, but neither is Austin. Neither is Houston. Neither is Seattle or... Orlando. Or London, England, or wherever. Can you just admit... Uh, first off, I think that they think that there's like 12,000 people here. It's like, I'm stuck out here all alone with 300,000 of my closest friends. Yeah. Pretty much anything you can do in your city, I can do here with a couple of exceptions. And if I really need to go to Austin or Dallas, not Waco probably, to go see a certain concert that isn't going to come through Lubbock, I can get there in an hour because they've invented something called the airplane, Rob. And so it's what is that? It's crazy technology. You can be anywhere within 300 miles of where you are now in one hour. Well, but surely they have like airports and stuff, other places that Lubbock doesn't have. Right. Oh, no. Lubbock has an airport? Just get new material. Just say, you live in a more rural area than I do, so I look down my nose at you, and I'm not tough enough to survive anywhere that doesn't have a million McDonald's and Starbucks but, but within a stone's throw of my apartment. Just but, say that. But this is people from Waco, and this is people from Stillwater calling out the same jokes. I, I actually don't see it from Stillwater, Manhattan, Ames. I feel like there's a mutual respect okay. there. Okay, just Waco but because people in Waco are like, uh, do you even have shiplap in Waco? Well, do you all even Waco. have coffee shops? <laughs> Can you even go sit on I-35 for an hour and a half and not move five miles? N- no, I can't. And Do you know you can surf so bad? No, like swag surf? <laughs> no, I think they can, like real surfing. I don't know how. Do you remember when their big recruiting pitch was that they were like getting a Papa dough and an in and yeah. out or something? Yeah, and they'll buy you a truck. Uh, you know, I wish we had burgers in Lubbock, but there's nothing out here. So yeah. I wish I could get a good burger. Get new material. You've gotten a burger at Rahino? Yeah. A damn good one, too. They're really good. That's all I ask. Because that's not... It's not original. It's not funny. And I don't want to live in your city just as bad as you don't want to live in mine. So... Try to find something new. You want to make some picks? Yes. Am that's, I, am that's I pulling them up? or? Well, you grabbed your phone. I thought you might be. Well, yeah, because you didn't grab your phone. So, well, because uh, I you, got it, man. Don't worry about it. You grabbed yours hey, first. Hey, man, don't even worry about it. <laughs> you normally lead us through these things. Okay. You want me to do the picks and then you can do the mailbag? No, I'll do the picks. Okay. I love this one. And I know you know where I'm going. Anybody who listened to Gauchos After Dark knows where I'm going. TCU gets on a plane and flies halfway across the earth to Morgantown, West Virginia. Yeah. Where they are laying seven and a half. That's more than a touchdown. Well, you can't fly into Morgantown. 
Sorry, they're flying into Pittsburgh. Yeah. And then they're getting an Enterprise rent-a-car to Morgantown. Right. <laughs> but Lubbock is so isolated, so oh, yeah, hard yeah, to get yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, right. You can't only fly here. Pla- yeah, only place in the Big 12 you can't get to easily. You can't fly here directly from, you know, tiny Boston. old tiny old cities like Phoenix, Las Vegas, Dallas, yeah. Austin, and Houston. Or Denver. Yeah. Just little towns with these tiny airport hubs that nobody's ever heard of. Right. The Frogs are laying seven and a half against my Mountaineers. You said. Who are due for a bounce back game. You said Sunday. What did I say? Well, you said Saturday that if it was more than a touchdown, you were going to take the Mountaineers. And I am. I love that. I think that so many factors. I go off public sentiment a lot. When, when everybody in the public is convinced that a bet cannot possibly cash or that one team is definitely going to blow somebody out, I get skeptical and I go, eh, maybe Vegas... These people that built these beautiful casinos and have way more money than all of us, maybe they know what they're doing. So every West Virginia fan is certain that they're going to lose this game by 30 points. And I say not so fast, my friend, because TCU's defense, whether you want to call it good halftime adjustments or just bad first half defense, they've looked very shaky in the first half, and then they've kind of figured it out in the second half. If they don't figure it out in the second half, West Virginia has a good enough offense to score some points, make this interesting. I don't know if I'm calling the upset but at seven and a half, give me the ears. Does West Virginia have a better offense than Kansas State when TCU played them? Oh. Will, Will Howard and then the third string quarterback in the fourth quarter. Yeah, the Kansas State offense was so up and down. Yeah. I would say comparable, but you're going 2,000 miles right. instead of playing you're in front of a, yeah. a hostile home crowd. Spencer Sanders hurt in the fourth quarter. Stayed in the game. Threw a terrible pick. And they um, they curled up with the play calling. They were playing not to lose. So was climbing. That game was also in Fort Worth. Both of those were in Fort Worth. Right. And I just cannot stress enough. Oh, I'm getting there. How far Morgantown is. Well, when they went to Lawrence for college game day. They held on. I mean, they won. They're, they're undefeated. So I have nothing to say in that respect. But they wouldn't have covered this seven and a half in Lawrence. They won a game by seven points, right? 35-28. Yeah. Give me the ears, man. I like that pick. Now watch. They're going to lose by 40. But Was it 38-31? I don't know. Whatever it was. Yeah. Had the spread been seven and a half that game, which I think it was close. I think that was a push, actually. Yeah, it was. I've got my doubts. Okay. And also... I'll take take TCU. (laughs) Max Duggan, is it fair to say he's in the Heisman conversation or should be in the Heisman conversation? He's played that well. His numbers are that good. Well, and I think best player, best team, if TCU does what they do, yeah, I think so. Uh-huh. What happens if he dips to, let's say, 80% of Heisman-worthy production? The team gets worse. They're, right. Yeah. So, like, can he sustain right. Heisman-level play through 12, 13, 14 games, however many they wind up playing? I don't know. But if he starts, if he has a bad game, which he hasn't had all year, right? you're not going to get the same result for TCU that you have to this point in the season. Anyway. What's the what's the total? 69. Nice. I'll, I'll uh, ooh, that's a high total. I'll probably stay away. Let me go over. Do you know they're calling that 96 now? I don't want to even go there. <laughs> Inflation. Ah, uh, okay. Cost more to. Biden's America, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a joke. Um, Oklahoma goes to Ames, where they've not had a ton of success lately. But Lincoln ain't here anymore, boys. Which, that hasn't gone so well for him either. No. 
They're only laying one and a half against what many deem the worst team in the Big 12. I've not deemed that. I thought Iowa State might be favored by one or two in this game. Yeah. OU, certainly a different team with Dylan Gabriel at full strength, at least offensively. Their defense is still really bad. Yeah. This is kind of unstoppable force, immovable object. Their offense is really good with Dylan Gabriel. Iowa State's defense has been really good. I don't think I have enough confidence in the Cyclones. And one and a half is such a small number for the Sooners. I think they get it done, but I don't feel great about it. I still think that West Virginia is the worst team in the Big 12 because I prefer a consistent defense over an inconsistent offense. Um, That being said, one and a half is just so close, and I, I would really struggle, even though it's at home, to take Iowa State money line here, though they are due in the Big 12. They're due. They're due. I, I would lean Oklahoma. What's the total in this one? 56. Oh, my gosh. That's high, too. I might take it's it like under here. 28, 27. Type. I, I think I would lean under here. I don't know. And I, and I can see. So Iowa State coming off a bye. I haven't done any research on how good is Matt Campbell off the bye. They're three and four. They win this. They're thinking, okay, we can still make it a, to a bowl game. They lose this. They're thinking season's a little bit off the rails. And OU even though they're not a good team this year, it's still low you. And that's a program that a team like Iowa state always wants to beat, even if they are four and three. So I don't know. They could be kind of like that cornered animal and maybe they'll surprise me, but I, I just not confident enough with such a small number. So I'm taking the Sooners to cover the one and a half. Don't have a good feel on the total. So I'm going to stay away from it. Another extremely competitive game because that's just what this conference is. Right. Oklahoma State goes to Manhattan. K-State right now favored by one and a half. If we get Adrian Martinez news one way or the other, maybe that shifts this a little bit, but that's where things stand right now. The total is 56 and a half. I think until I know more about Adrian Martinez, I would just lean away from them. Though we've heard on and off about um, Spencer Sanders, right? He's been hurt or not hurt. Yeah, both of the week. last two games, it's like, well, he has been dealing with this all week. We don't know if he's going to play. It's like, what? If he was hurt against Texas, it didn't look like it because they were throwing him passes. They threw him a screen pass. So Weird. If he's hurt, I, it doesn't look like it from the play calling, and he's running the ball. Um, But I, I think Oklahoma State is just there already. And I don't know that Kleiman is there with Kansas State yet. So I would I would lean Oklahoma State. What's the line? One and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Man, I've kind of had my doubts about the offensive juice at Kansas State all season. For a couple weeks there, it looked like they could make it work with Adrian Martinez. Now I'm just not so sure. I think Oklahoma State is fighting for their season. This feels like a play-in game to at least the passenger seat, who's going to be not the front runner, but the second front runner to make it to Arlington. If you lose this game, it feels like that's a really big uphill climb. I'm going to go Oklahoma State on the road, plus one and a half. A little bit of insurance there if it's a close game and it's 31-30. Yeah. So 
I don't know, but it also feels like one of those culture wins for Kansas State where if Kleiman's a real deal, this is the kind of game that they win. Which they could win, and Oklahoma State could cover, but it would be pretty razor thin. Yeah, I would. if you're picking Kansas State, I would just say hit the money line because you're going to get a little more juice there, and it's such a thin margin. Um, that would be a really thin middle to hit, and if you hit that middle, just give up gambling because <laughs> it's not for you. Uh, going back to Iowa State. 2000, since 2016, so the Matt Campbell era, after a bye, they're seven and eight. Hmm. Against the spread? Against the spread. Or straight up. Okay. So pretty pretty 50 50. What are they? Um, well, you don't have to do all that. I've got, a, I've got a bunch of right here since 2016. What? As a home underdog. Who are the wins against? As a home underdog, 11 and two and one. That's what they are this week. I just have I just have basic stats. I don't have so they're uh, due to lose one if they're eleven and two and one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, as an underdog, period, they're twenty two thirteen and one. I am deeming Oklahoma State Kansas State the Big Twelve game of the week. I would agree. I would agree. Even though there's other incredibly competitive ones as far as conference title implications, it has to be that one. Yep. Do you think Texas will win the bye week? It's tough. Uh, they certainly have looked good so far. Nothing. Nothing out of the. Nothing out of the news front. Well, they're certainly not going to take A&M level news. That's not so, is it? Because hasn't there been controversy about their fight song and well, not enough people stayed out to sing it? Steve Carr's Sarkeesian did need to apologize for that controversy. So off yeah. on a bad foot for the bye week. Maybe so. Maybe they, so. They got a big one against Kansas coming out of the bye. But they haven't had the Texas A&M level of... Oh, no. That's on a implosion. level all by itself. Implosion. Man, that uh, greatest recruiting class of all time... Sure lasted yeah, a long time, didn't it? That's why I always caution people not to say it's the best recruiting class. It's the highest ranked recruiting class. Yeah, that's what I should have said. Yeah, well, that's I always catch myself saying best. It's like, well, it's not the best. It's the highest ranked. Because that's to be determined. Yeah. Let's, we'll see in three years. Let's talk about best in, in after a, you know, a graduation cycle of four years. The Butt Bowl, BU versus TT, Baylor coming to Lubbock, of course, for the blackout. The induction of Patrick Mahomes into the Ring of Honor before Tracy Saul and Graham Harrell and Bobby Cavazos and others, but we've we covered that on a podcast months ago. Iowa State with a rest advantage is five and eight against the spread. <laughs> with a rest advantage? So they had a bye week, but Oklahoma didn't. Oklahoma had a bye, didn't they? Oh, they're both coming off a bye. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Okay. So back to about five hundred. Okay. Sorry, I was just looking no, at some okay. more numbers. <laughs> this one Let's say it opened as a pick'em because I think some places it was minus one, some places plus one. It is pretty well settled for the last couple of days at Texas Tech minus two and a half. The total is sixty-two and a half. And man, I'm conflicted because I just talked about how confident I was, but how uneasy I am being confident. Right. Part of me wants to make a totally uneducated, just say emotional hedge because I want to win the game and just take the Baylor money line. But my analysis would lead me to say that Tech will cover, so I'm I'm torn. I will certainly probably throw a, a Baylor money line in like a parlay or something. I'm trying to win just for some juice. But I think a night game in Lubbock in a blackout is a touchdown difference. And if I think Texas Tech can win by five, neutral side or whatever, if I'm doing my score matrix and you give up a little less and score a little more per game, you score about four more, you give up about three less. 
I think you're going to win by 10. So I would give it a 38-28 score and say Texas Tech controls. Baylor scores late to even it back up, and you hold on for a wild ride in the second half. 38-28, Texas Tech wins, covers, writes home with a mom, and I believe that, uh, what's the total? 62 and a half. Over. You know how I would love to see this game unfold? Just like West Virginia? Well, yeah, but well, even better. Before yeah. you and I were best buddies, uh-huh. well, this was the year. Hey, <laughs> this was the year, the regular season leading up to the Final Four run. Uh-huh. Kansas was coming to Lubbock toward the end of the season. I don't think it was the last game of the year, but it was close to it. And the spread was close. It was like two points. And I tweeted, I'll pull it up. I said, Tech by 20. I was confident. And you blew the freaking doors off of them. And the crowd, it was up here, and it stayed up here for 40 minutes. And there was a point in the game. 2018? 19, right? Is that the Final Four run? Okay. Yeah, 2019. And there was a point in the game. Bill Self is like, he's trying to... Oh, basketball. Yeah, trying different substitutions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at one point, he like turns to his assistants on the bench, like throws his hands. He was like, "Yeah, there's nothing we can do. We by thirty, we got nothing for him." Yeah, I want that. I want Baylor. The blackout is clearly in their heads, and they're going, "Crap, dude, we're going into Lubbock Hornets Nest night game Halloween. Crap, Joey, all these crazy idiots that live in this dump." I want to return the it's opening. The only thing they have. I want to return the opening kickoff for a touchdown. Yeah. Save your wife. And the fans just, ah! And then for the next three hours, every time Baylor's offense has to go out on the field for a drive, they're like, crap. Like, let's get this over with. A turnover or I a, want that. a touchdown early, yes. I want that. I want crowd up here, through the roof to begin with. You get up by two possessions, and it stays that way all 60 minutes. I would love that. And that's kind of what you did against West Virginia. You didn't really finish the first half very good. I mean, you did with the turnover, but offensively, you, you couldn't score toward the end of the second quarter there. But I would love that. I would love to go into halftime with that place rocking, the fans being like, we can't wait till the third quarter starts so that we can get on their ass some more. And Baylor sitting in the locker room like, do we have to go back out there? That's what I want. And I think it could unfold that way, potentially. Yeah. Not saying it's super likely. I think Baylor's a good team. I think it'll be competitive. But that... That home environment, we have not had that in so long. No, and I, I, I agree with that. Texas Tech, though, a an 0-3 against the spread after a win. We're due. We're due. Uh, this is just this year. Um, as a home favorite, you're 2-1. Didn't cover against Houston. That's not true. You beat Murray State, then you covered versus Houston, depending on where you got the number because it fluctuated. Yeah, this is just two and one as the home favorite. So you covered against Murray State. But you said we were 0 and 3 against the spread following a win. That that game was following a win. After a win, you're 0 and 3. And then as the home favorite. That's what I'm saying. That's not true. Or it could be not true because the Houston spread fluctuated from two to four. So if you got it at the right time, tech covered. Well, I'm sure this is a closing line, which was two and a half. Okay. Not sure I buy it, but that's okay. Okay. This is, you take it up with teamrankings.com. I will. Okay. It's probably just a point different than the action app. Oh, I'm sure. That's all. I'm just 
I'm just being pedantic. You? Yeah. <laughs> What's that mean? That's pretty much the only one. I was going to go longer, but I don't want to look at trends from the Matt Wells era to try to apply them to Joey McGuire because I think that's just like with Iowa State, you can look at a long kind of even era of Matt Campbell, but this, I don't, that doesn't translate at all to me. Though, since 2003, um, you're pretty much. 500 against the spread or was it since 2009 at one point in 2021 matt wells had a better career record against the spread than nick saban did by like 0.01 yeah anyway are you want to run through a discord mailbag let's do it all right you know what hey leave your phone i'll i'll pull it up thanks man but will you tell us about diversified lenders and will you please get it right so uh, cole doesn't dm us about how wrong we are? Yeah, turn your accounts receivable into cash with diversified lenders. There you go. They help your business get the cash it needs now to operate. Check them out at diversifiedlenders.com. Red Raider football owned and operated. Cole Roberts, family business with his dad, Don Roberts. A fantastic DB back in the mid-70s, I believe. Hope I'm not aging him too much. I think that's right. But yeah, we appreciate their support of the Gambling Gauchos. We'll do better on the social media shout-outs for diversified lenders as well. How long can Texas Tech get away with who's the starting quarterback bit every week? Seems like just gamesmanship. The team knows who it's going to be based on chemistry and game planning, but what a, at what point does an opponent see the film and just say, uh, Barron is the quarterback and prepare for him? Do you think teams are already doing that? Probably. They can't keep getting away with this. They probably know it's barren. Yeah. But I guess Coach McGuire feels like there is a competitive advantage to keeping it somewhat shrouded in mystery. If Texas Tech beats Baylor this weekend, do you think they'll be ranked or receiving votes? Not at five and three. They will be receiving votes, though. I don't want to look ahead, of course, because our podcast needs to be focused on the current right. game. Right, certainly. But if you beat a highly ranked TCU team to get to six and three, I think you'll be nipping at the heels of the top twenty-five. You'll be in that twenty-four to twenty-eight range. You'll be ranked if you win three in a row and beat TCU. I think so. There's not any three-loss team that's ranked currently. I don't believe. Uh, the University of Texas is receiving votes at five and three. Don Williams. That's the University of Texas. Arkansas is receiving votes at four and three. Don Williams. Uh, Mississippi State five and three. Florida State. Four and three probably depends on what else happens with those teams. Fair. Um, Doe goes in and says, we're going to win out. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, would Don still vote Texas in the top 25 and not Tech if we beat Baylor? Uh, probably. Would, would, Off a of buy. Yeah, read that again. Uh, if Tech beats Baylor, would Don vote Texas above Texas Tech? Probably. Yeah. Because Don's whole thing, love it or hate it, is if these two teams lined up on a neutral field, who would win? And he probably thinks Texas would win that game. On a neutral field, yeah. Because you want an overtime at home. Other people rank it way more on resume, and they'll put a team in the top 20 that they know is not even a top 40 team in the country by Don's metrics. And I, I see validity to, to both sides of it. Like, there was no use in pretending that Kansas was a top 20 team. The 
but at five and zero, oh, you kind of have to tip your hat and give them some respect for achieving that. Versus like if Texas was three and two at that juncture, well, that's a bad example. But the whole I was point, like, we all know Texas could beat Kansas right. in a game of football, but not so fast, my friend. But the whole point of the poll is to have sixty dudes vote and then to take the whole thing together. Yeah, and some I guys will weigh different factors. Yes, I don't need every single person to give every single team respect. What would be the point if everybody voted exactly. the same way? Uh, what would Texas' best win even be? Uh, this one was answered in the Discord. It says losing to Alabama by one. Yeah, or UTSA. Uh, yeah. Iowa State. Who's better, Iowa State or UTSA? Mm. Oklahoma. Or West Virginia. I mean, 49 to nothing. Oh, yeah. Texas' remaining winnable games are Kansas and Baylor. Kansas is almost a sure thing, and Baylor only has one road win this year. What did the Horns finish? I think seven and five. I would I would say seven and five. That sounds about right. Yeah, lose two more. Yeah, they still got Kansas State and TCU. Yep, those seem like toss up type games. Will the Texas Tech defense take away three? It says over under three. I'm going to say I'll say two and a half. I'll take the under because I don't think Baylor's offense is as aggressive to lend itself to turnovers. They're going to run the ball a lot. Agreed. They will take a few deep shots, but they're not like West Virginia where they're going to just no. and throw not, all the time. They're not 50-50 balls. He's throwing open guys. Yeah, I mean, like versus Kansas, he went 17 of 26. Yeah. I mean, how many interceptions can you get when he throws 26 times? Now, if you get a early lead like West Virginia, expect them to throw more. Sure. Uh, does quarter zip season and vest season overlap, or are they separate seasons? You know, I've actually got some thoughts on this. I'm not a big vest guy. Yeah. I don't see the point. If you're cold, you need sleeves. If you're not cold, you don't need a vest. What's well, about keeping your core warm? That's a little... At what temperature is that important where it's not cold enough that you don't need sleeves, Six, but it is cold enough that you need to keep your yeah. core warm? 68. 68. Uh-huh. Okay, if it's exactly 68 all day, then wear a vest. And I've got a vest or two, but yeah. I'm not a big vest guy. Quarter zips. Are you wearing a vest with a long sleeve uh, button-up, though? Because some guys are wearing with the polo, and I don't think that makes much sense. But if you have the long sleeve on and then you're putting the vest on, it's more of a... yeah. It's just a little more. It's like a biz cash look sure. at the office. Biz cash. I mean, if it's I've the right radio, vest, so. and if, if it's a if it's a denim vest, you probably shouldn't wear that to the office. I mean, I work in a bank building, right? But I, I can wear a like a plain gray or plain black vest over a, a dress shirt. I think it looks okay. Uh, I bought a I bought a quarter zip. I'll Good. Break, I'll break it out uh, Saturday night. Quarter zips are great. Yeah, it's my first one. I usually am a hoodie guy. Okay. Yeah. No, it's a. Of course, you and I. It's a transition a you won't different. regret. Yeah, I would say style wise, a more cut off hoodie and your more quarters up. I can't even tell what you're wearing right now. Okay, it's camo. Uh, Are you going hunting? You got camo with the orange hat. Yeah, maybe so. Hunting a big win this weekend. I'm I'm dressed like an athlete because I run a that's sub, right sub five forty. So it's totally sub five. I went on a dive of who UT has beaten and who those teams have beaten. Without getting into the numbers, the Power 5 teams that UT has beaten uh, have a 5-11 and 11 record against other Power 5 teams. That's not a question. <laughs> uh, this is for the pod. Is there anyone going to Lubbock this weekend that already has an Airbnb and extra rooms <laughs> or wants to split one? 
Any additional compensation will be Maddie eating a liter of mayonnaise with a spoon. We're doing so, an ad read for, for the picadors who need a couch to sleep on. Yeah, some of our picadors need a, which I've offered mine. Uh, they don't want to live with me. And, and these are cool guys. If you do have a, a rental Very property, cool guys. you want them hanging out of your place. It'll increase the vibe for sure. After we stop recording, say the words rental property to me. Okay. I've got an update. Okay. Phase two. Uh, it's why oh, dude, it's funny. We're so close on phase two. <laughs> so close. What they don't know is that there's also a phase three. But I don't want to. We get, already know. I, I don't want to look. Yeah, ahead. we don't want to look ahead. You got to win phase, phase two. two. We're first. focused on phase. You got to win phase two. Well, at, hashtag FM. We're wrapping up phase one this week, and then it's on to phase two. Yeah, phase two starts Sunday. Yeah. Um. How's Kyle's 40 time looking? We've gone over that. Brutal. Hey, I want to address glacial. some rumors. I want to address glacial. some rumors. What does that mean? Somebody said that it was wind-aided. It was mostly a crosswind. If anything, though, it was diagonal at an angle that it was a yeah. slight headwind. So it was actually sub-five into a slight headwind. There is a basketball question. I'm going to save that for phase two. Okay. I think that's appropriate. But I will save this. Because I do have some thoughts on the question, and this is from Nate, uh, but, I, but I'm going to pull it back and, and, and answer that on Sunday. Is it a question that you and I could lightning round real quick and then... Sure. Is there any concern going into the basketball season this year with one no. of our most highly anticipated transfers being out with a broken foot? No. Yes. A lot of freshmen. Uh, would we take down a year... Would you take a down year in basketball if it means a nine-win season in a bowl for football? Define down year. Yeah, that's a great and which uh, bowl technicality. Well, if you win nine, are you going eight and four and winning a bowl game? Okay, saying here's the if it's well, nine wins, there. if you could guarantee me that I could meet up with forty thousand of my closest Red Raider friends on the Riverwalk and we would win the Alamo Bowl against a top twenty ranked team, give me a down year in basketball. If I think if Ole Miss lost a few and you could meet Ole Miss in San Antonio. Sign me up. But I also don't want to deal with the the trash talk during basketball if you're not very good because I've been oh, lane train, baby. So accustomed to but winning. But what's down? Yeah, is down is, this, is like a nine seed in the tournament? Are you making team? the tournament? Yeah, if it's down, like I have to sacrifice the NCAA tournament, I might just roll the dice with the yes. football because you're still going to go to a bowl, I think. Yeah. It won't be as good as if you won nine games. But is it nine wins in the regular season and you're in Arlington? Because you could, I mean, if you went out and you're a two-loss team, you could be there. Yeah, well, nine would be. But one of the losses was NC State. You'd be two be losses in, three, in the Big yeah. 12. Oh, I got you. Seven and two in Big 12 play. You almost broke my head. Uh, start bench cut, Kyle's 40, Kyle's 20-yard shuttle, and Kyle's three-cone drill. Now, I've only seen you run. You did a couple warm-ups. I saw you run a 40. Um, I don't know how your back and forth uh, speed is. I don't think it's great. I was good at the uh, broad jump. I had a straight line guy. I had an elite broad jump. Like okay. second best at my high school, two feet better than everybody else type broad jump. H hate to brag. You do. <laughs> I know that about you. I mean, you're, you're talking to a guy who was second team all district. Right. So, you're a collegiate athlete. <laughs> Serious athlete right here. You Almost had, ran a sub five forty into a headwind. You put up better numbers than Neil Brown. Yeah, very comparable. 
Uh, Baylor is four and three with games against Texas Tech at Oklahoma, Kansas State at home, TCU at Did home. Did you like Don's shot at me for that tweet? He oh goes, yes. He goes wow with numbers like that. I bet he had yes. the homecoming queen on his arm. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Uh, over under five and a half wins for Baylor. Over. I'll take a snug under. They're four and three. They can win two more of Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Kansas well, State, TCU, UT. They've already played Kansas, Iowa State, and West Virginia. Yeah. Okay, let's say we both picked them to lose to Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. So four so and four. Four and four with four games. Can they win two of Oklahoma, Kansas State, TCU, Texas? I still think so. In Austin, in Norman, the other two in Waco. TCU and Waco, I think they'll have a real shot because that'll be a good environment. The rivalry. And OU is not that good. Right. I think they can beat Oklahoma. If Texas is – if the wheels are off. Yeah. I, I still they think they can get two out year. of four, If even if they lose, which we think that this is kind of a coin flip game Yeah, per all the odds makers and analytics. So Start, bench, cut, Coke, Diet Coke, Coke Zero. I'm going to start Coke Zero. That's my favorite Coke. I'll start Coke. I'll bench Coke Zero and give it to you and cut Diet Coke. I don't have any use for anything that's like caffeine-free, diet, or zero. I did offer you a Dr. Pepper Zero one time, and you turned your nose up at it. Yeah, it no, tastes I, the same. I don't do that. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, have it you had doesn't. it? Uh, probably. No, it, there's a new formula. Dr. Pepper Zero tastes exactly like Dr. Pepper. Then why don't they just make regular Dr. Pepper as Dr. Pepper Zero? They should. It would help America. There's a, there's a reason why they don't. It would help America. You know where Dr. Pepper was invented? Waco. What eating contest would you think you have the best chance of winning? Eight hot dogs, uh, five minutes. Yeah, under five minutes, right? The five flat. Oh, it was. did you have 10 allotted originally and you didn't need... 10 minutes? Uh-huh. Okay, that's what yeah. it was. I remember you just like crushed whatever the time limit was. That was... Two years ago. Getting to know the gauchos. Mm-hmm. Going down memory lane here. Fourth of July, correct? Uh-huh. You and I only knew each other through Twitter, but we had agreed to start a podcast. Yeah. So we're just getting to the point in the relationship where, you know, we text back and forth, we DM each other back and forth. And so I was like pulling for you as like a new friend... But I didn't really know you that well. But I was watching the stream, and I was like, let's go, Rob. And you're like hammering them. I was, yeah. It's like, he got it. What eating contest would I win? I, I'm not a speed oh. guy, but I could probably volume something. Boneless buffalo wings. How many do you think you can eat? I'm not a speed eater, but I could eat a lot of those. I'll give you an hour. You taking five pounds well, of boneless wings? Yeah, I don't know, because wings are different sizes. So I was going to say a number, but like 20 wings at one place might right. be totally different than 20 somewhere else. If I gave you a, a Chick-fil-A nugget tray... Of 50. Oh, yeah. And gave oh. you 20 minutes. That's, I don't know about the speed aspect. I'll give you an hour. I think These so. 50 nuggets? I think so. I had... I mean, you could dump them in a bowl and sauce them up however you wanted. Yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah. You'd have to break it up a little bit. i do that. At, yeah, try like different flavors. Yeah. Yeah, I like the one buffalo sauce, one barbecue sauce, and then throw your nuggets in there. Start bench... Have a hot barbecue. Start bench cut... At Chick-fil-A, buffalo sauce, barbecue sauce, Chick-fil-A sauce. Well, Chick-fil-A sauce is the classic. Um, But nowadays that I'm trying to cut calories, uh, their barbecue sauce is actually pretty good that way. So I would actually start buffalo, bench, barbecue, cut, Chick-fil-A sauce. Can I take a little bit of a jab at you? Uh Uh-huh. You go to Chick-fil-A when you're trying to cut calories? Well, no, not generally. I haven't been to Chick-fil-A in a long time. But the grilled nuggets. Oh, it's yeah. a really good okay, source. Yeah. yeah. Grilled options. That's good. Well, they have the, I mean, it's just chicken breast. I, I just used to get a kick out of people 
my first job at a movie theater. I think I've said that on getting to know the gauchos like seven times. Yeah. But people were like, yeah, give me a, you know, five gallon tub of popcorn, extra right. butter, and a 64 diet ounce yeah. diet Coke. I'm like, what, to, what diet are you on right now? Yeah. Trying to keep Where the, that's going to make yeah. a difference. Um, well, some people prefer the flavor. Start bench cut. My three favorite sauces at Chick-fil-A. Buffalo. I think it's called sweet and spicy sriracha and Texas Pete's hot sauce. Yeah. Just depending on Texas Pete is good. What mood I'm on. I, I'm uh, in a Louisiana right now. There's a um, solid. You ever had the Red Devil? I don't think so. It's a cayenne based sauce. It's pretty good. Is Louisiana what they serve at Schlotsky's? Yes. Yeah. The red. I love that. Yeah. Blue on and any yellow sandwich bottle. there. Yeah. yeah just yeah. douse it in that stuff. I hadn't been to Schlotsky's in a long time. Uh, pizza. Oh, that's not a question. Uh, will Kyle be wearing a costume to the game? Now I can. I'm in the press box. Uh, right. Big J journal. <laughs> I no. I'll just be wearing black. Yeah. I'll be dressed up as a journalist. Yeah. <laughs> you play one on TV. Yeah. Well, on the radio. Yeah. I'll, I'll just be wearing black. Okay. Do you have a outfit lined up? You wearing black pants? Or just a black uh, shirt. Just a black quarter zip shirt and yeah, I got a black quarter zip. I might just rock that. I'll it's probably a, go black gaucho hat. Black gaucho hat, that's a given. Black are we gonna match black quarter zip and jeans? We're we gonna match exactly. I'm not a big jeans guy anymore. Mine's Reebok. What probably, do you wear what do you wear to the game? Like like chinos. Slacks? Not slacks. But cotton. Bla- black just, cotton chinos or a gray, probably. Okay. I don't like monochrome. I, I would never go black on black on black. Yeah. I do it with gray on gray on gray sometimes just to be ironic, but I don't do it with any other color. It's a suit. No, well, even you're just... A, you're a khaki blazer like, guy? I'll wear this with gray shorts. You're a khaki shorts, blazer guy? Gray tennis shoes. You're a khaki with a blue In, in the coat. summer, I'll go a light-colored okay. blazer, like a cream or khaki or something. Is khaki a color or is it a material? I thought it was a color. Have you ever seen a khaki car? It's tan. Right, because it's on a car, and Beige. cars aren't made out of khaki. Khaki's a material. I, I bet I It tends I could. to be a certain color, but yeah. Have you ever seen a woman's hair and said, oh, she has nice khaki hair? Yes, I have. No, you haven't. <laughs> I don't think hair is generally khaki colored. But sure, isn't khaki like kind of a brownish blonde type color? Yeah, but that is more of a goldish bronze than a khaki. Has any brewery ever described a beer as again, khaki? Again, no. no. It's just like, no, it's a light beer. But gold, it's like an amber. But gold or, and khaki is not the same. Or a wheat. Look, I have a hundred percent. Hefeweizen. I have a hundred percent color acuity, and I I don't think beer oh. and khaki ever go together. See, I thought I was a big deal for being second team all district in no, high school. No, no, no. You've got perfect color acuity. One hundred percent color acuity. Wow. Uh, Kyle's giving off khaki with running shoe vibes right now. <laughs> <laughs> what? You wear khakis with your tennis shoes, or do you have a nice loafer? No. Only in limited circumstances, like if I'm golfing in the cold. Do you have wingtips? No. Okay. No. Not not my style. I've been I've been running with the. Uh, I don't know why we're doing this. Me neither. I've been running with the. Uh, this is like our game day threads channel in Discord. <laughs> this slip on shoes where we talk about uniforms and like what we're wearing on game day. It's a lot of fun so in Discord. No, so no costume. No costume. Patreon, How do you get into that? Patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. Dude, it's been blowing up in football. It's a lot of fun. Making it is new a lot of fun. Making new friends online. And uh yeah, with basketball right around the corner, we'll have both on at the same time. We've got a channel for basketball, a channel for football. A lot of fun. 
Has Kitley and or DeRuder done enough this season to be on the board to get hired away in the coaching carousel? I think in some ways they both have, uh, but I don't think either would leave um, after year one. I don't think so either. DeRuder was a group of five head coach at Fresno State, and I think with his coordinator experience at the Power Five level, he would always be qualified to go be the head coach at a group of five, a good group of five program. Same with Kitley. Like you said, I think it'd be a weird career move for him to go from group of five coordinator up to group of five or power five coordinator and then go take a head job with like minimal experience. I think they'll both be here for year two, hopefully year three, because I I long for continuity here. Well, does DeRuder want to be a head coach again? There's no guarantee that he does. And then maybe Kitley does, but maybe Kitley, I mean, he's Kitley, he's only 34, 35. I think if Kitley were wise, I mean, he, he would put in five straight years here. When he's a young enough guy, he can bet on himself. Yeah. He doesn't have to take the first. Some guys, if you're 57 and you get the offer to be a power five head coach, you got to take it. If you're 31, like Kitley is, he can say, well, I don't want to coach there. I want to coach. 31? I think so. He can be picky, and he can build experience. He can be mentored by guys like DeRuder and Joey, learn how to run a program, be a successful coordinator for four or five years, and then if he wants to make that leap, he can. How far back in time would you be willing to go to be the wealthiest person on the planet? Do you understand the premise of the question? Because I asked – well, I'm just making sure you like know what he's asking. So I ran a Twitter poll a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. and said, would you rather be a middle-class person in today's United States right. or the richest person in the world in 1800? And most people, I think, said they'd rather be middle-class today because, you know, you've got an iPhone and air conditioning right. Technology and cars. So how far back, understanding the worst living conditions, but to be right. the richest person in the world? First of all, I would be a hell of a king. I would be a great king. The power would go to your head. No. I, I fear. No. No. I would be a generous and gentle king. Uh, But I wouldn't want to go back to like the bubonic plague. I'll be honest. I've been watching through some Game of Thrones. I maybe like the 80s, 70s. Do I get what? I wouldn't go back that far. Oh, I would. I would go back. Life was not that good, and life for me right now isn't that bad, just being a normal guy in in 2022. Richest man on the planet? What would you do with the money at a certain point? Be the richest man. Now, do I get to know? Like, am I the richest man on the planet because I have, like, Butch's Almanac and I get to buy into Apple stock and stuff? No. Buzz? Buzz? Butch? Family wealth. Biffs. you, You just... Okay. Think about this, though, dude. Well, it depends which one it is. Like, like I could, I could ride through the depression. You couldn't if even. I'm the richest man in the world. You couldn't even watch Texas Tech play a football game on TV in the 1970s or 80s unless they were on a random national TV broadcast. Yeah, but I can travel. Yeah. And what what are you going to do to occupy your time on the plane without a phone or a laptop? Like I know, I know. I'd I'd be fine. Read a book. Yeah, I'd be. Re- I read. Do you read? Some. What's the last book you read? Well, first off, I reject the premise of the question because there's so many other ways to digest. Do you understand the premise? (laughs) 
Did you think that was a condescending question? Yes, it was. Well, you looked you looked confused. <laughs> so I was just like, if well, I, I was deciding when to finish because he says also definitely. Uh, this I was is a contest to see to see who wants to go further back. I was just thinking if I could rephrase it before you wanted to answer that. I, oh, you wanted to dumb okay. it down for the layman? No, over here. not dumb it down, but it was. I thought it was phrased like kind of, and the way you were, you were like. Well, I was. So I didn't know if you knew what he was asking. I was, that's all. No, I knew what he was asking. Okay, all right. My bad. My bad. Hey, I'll take the blame on that one. Okay. I would certainly at least go back to like. Going back to me rejecting your premise, though. The 1900s. There are all kinds of ways to consume Early. the written word that aren't in a book. Sure, I wouldn't. So I read all day, every day. It's just not in a book, per se. But the last book I read... No, that is... I'm not going to tell you the name of it, because it would... You're obfuscating. It would divulge too much about my political leanings, which I wouldn't dare do on this platform. But... Mein Kampf. I also read... <laughs> Jesus, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> There was a tweet about that. Some guy who was like, me reading Mein Kemp in the in the subway, yeah. but shaking my head aggressively so everybody knows how much I disagree with it. Um, God, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> what kind of... Re- Never mind. I just wouldn't... I wouldn't divulge anything about my political beliefs. Right. I'm not saying that they're like crazy. I just... Right. I know how people are nowadays. And I sure. Would, I wouldn't tell you anything about my political beliefs. Um, yeah. I'm a slow reader, so I've been reading this book for like a year, and I'm not, I'm still not done with it. I have like this much left. I read a really interesting book on North Korea during COVID. Yeah. Fascinating. Very oh, sad. And I wrote a book during COVID. You did. The ABCs of, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Almost bought it. <laughs> I don't really have a lot of, it's, it's 10 bucks really, on Kindle. Yeah. But there's no use for any, but right, listening to this to read it. Well, I mean, if you work in the... If you work in the Chamber of Commerce yeah. industry, then maybe. I don't think many of our Certainly. listeners do, though. Well, I, I mean, I wanted to support my friend, yeah. but I don't know why I would... <laughs> I could have made five or six bucks in royalties had you bought it. Okay, well, I'll buy it. No, don't. Do I get a paperback? Because there's a red... It was a red cover, I, I think. Yeah, the paperback is 20 bucks. Kindle is 10 bucks. Okay. I'm, I'm listening to a couple audiobooks now. I've moved on to an audiobook because I've, you know been on the treadmill lately <clears throat> yeah audiobooks you're yeah, not reading audiobook. but you're right you're consuming, consuming literature the last book i read was atomic habits which is a good book can you cut out the uh the reference earlier i'm afraid that was like terribly insensitive to what the book that you suggested i was reading no i'm not gonna cut that out i said it <laughs> i don't want you to get canceled well, you may please cancel me <laughs> Please. Sorry if it was offensive. It was Rob was just joking. Why would that be offensive? That's one of the most popular books of all time. Yeah. Okay. We don't have to go there. Start bench cut wheel of fortune jeopardy prices right. I'll say this though. This this Discord mailbag is getting pretty pretty large because of the Discord following growing. Yeah, I love it. We might need to break this up uh, eventually, we or just be- have a Discord mailbag. Uh, episode. We need to go lightning round. Yeah, well, I'm trying to, and you're you're getting back into it. Uh, you start suggested that I Wheel read of a Fortune, book by Hitler. Jeopardy, Price is Right. I only said that because you made a joke about your political leanings. Like, it would be so off the board that you would have read this book that it would show that you No, it's not off Nazi. the board. It, it's a best-selling book, but I know how the country is like, half the people will hate you if you say you read this book. Right. And the other half will hate you if you disavow the book. So, I mean, it's, it's completely nonsensical for me to do that on a public platform. 
Right. People talk. We're okay. here for sports. Getting to know the gauchos. Uh-huh. I was raised by a wonderful woman who taught me you never talk about three things, money, religion, and politics. Uh-huh. And so people don't know how much money I make in my job. They never will. Uh, if they want to know my religious beliefs, I'll share that with them, but only if they ask. And kind of the same with my political beliefs, but probably even more guarded with that. But a lot of people in my generation are like, oh, yeah, I make this much money, and you're an idiot if you voted for so-and-so. And that's not really how I roll. Do you believe in God? Yes. I did read a deconstructionist book lately that was pretty good. Man, I could go on and on about that. Not for the lightning round. Wheel of Fortune Jeopardy Price is right. My mom is the greatest Wheel of Fortune player ever. Yeah. Which my is, mom, my it, mom's pretty good. It's impressive, but it's hard for me to watch it with her because... Yeah, she gets it before me every time. I have no time to even like yeah. ponder it, and she has the puzzle solved. Yeah. Jeopardy, I feel like an idiot because I don't know 85% of the answers. I'm not good at pop culture stuff, especially... You know, that show is not geared toward people my age. So they're like, this book authored in 1982. And I'm like, well, I don't know because right. I wasn't around back then. If you asked me about a song that came out in 2007, maybe I would know it. Uh, what was the price is right? Yeah. I think that one is stupid. So give me, as far as entertainment value, start Jeopardy, bench Wheel of Fortune, cut the price is right. What if this, what if the question is, which one would you rather be on as a competitor? Price is right because it's a yeah. lot more luck based than. I wouldn't solve anything in Jeopardy or, or Wheel of Fortune. I'm not smart enough to do that. No, I'm, I could might commit compete in Wheel of Fortune, but I wouldn't even pretend to be good at Jeopardy. Sports yeah. Jeopardy, maybe. Um, there's your running form, Rich Eisen jokes. Uh, who's the biggest surprise team this year in the Big Twelve? One good surprise, one bad surprise. Oklahoma is the bad surprise. TCU is a good surprise. Yeah, a lot of people at TCU pegged as like. A lot ninth, of people in this ninth room. place in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why people are saying when dated. Uh, start bench cut Eco B Nest or some other smart thermostat. I've ha- I've been in a house with a Nest. I would cut them all. I don't trust smart devices. Yeah, I was about to say that. I might have just revealed too much about my political beliefs. Yeah, I would never. No, and I, I'm not connecting. I have my Alexa connected to my TV volume. You're right over there. Sorry, I've been holding like, my mic. I've been holding my mic a lot. It's today. not going anywhere, man. Uh, I have my. I had my Alexa connected to my TV and was doing the volume like that. I don't even like that, really. Who was I talking I'm to the other like day? A, I'm not getting a ring. I don't need you. I don't need some FBI agent looking at me coming home every day. I was talking to somebody recently. Somebody that in the CIA isn't allowed to have an Alexa type device in their house because they were at because some, of their job. They were at some like security clearance level in the government. I can't remember who it was. Wow. Well, you probably shouldn't say it on this Well, podcast. I wouldn't say who it was, but I could at least maybe describe what they do or like where they worked. Well, sure, you're not running into too many high-level government officials. Well, I mean, as in your line of work, maybe. I'm I'm drawing a blank, if I think of it all. Okay. Was it a, some law enforcement? I don't remember. Have you talked to an FBI agent lately? It was something like that. They moved and... I don't know. I don't really like my Alexa, but I do use it in the when I'm in the shower. I'll say, hey, Alexa, play some music. And then I'm really glad she didn't hear that because that would have been awkward. <laughs> All right. Final thoughts. Besides, you would definitely not ever read a book written by Hitler and that that would not ever even come in. You've, you've not owned, wanted to owned, or even thought about 
reading Mein Kampf, and I'm sorry I said that, even though I'm not. Apology accepted. No, I've never read it. Um, now, okay, you kind of derailed my final thoughts. Final thoughts, I'll just go back to the atmosphere and how long it's been. I think the only thing I can compare this to is 2017 Oklahoma State. Now, they came, I think, undefeated and ranked. Maybe they had lost one game. But there was a lot of juice in the stadium that night, even though yep. Tech was still coming, trying to come out of a pretty dark period. And this feels like one of those games that could be a tipping point in the program where we look back and say, like, that's where you turn the tide. You had consecutive Big 12 wins, not against Kansas. The home atmosphere was back. The student section was back. Joey beat his former team. All this good stuff. And don't let us get hot, but if you do win this one, you can go to Fort Worth and make a lot of noise in the Big 12 title race. And if you do that, then you get Kansas at home. And if you do that, I mean, we could be playing some pretty meaningful games trending toward Thanksgiving, which be pretty new around here. But I don't want to lose our focus because you no, and I no, have no. to be focused on beating Baylor. No, no, no. And I said last week, everything you want to do to finish this year, every way you want to finish strong, everything you want to do starts with beating West Virginia. You did that. Uh, then now you're resetting the dial. Anything you want to do, everywhere you want to finish, finishing strong, it all starts with beating Baylor this weekend. And that is something that... Uh, that is something that would be huge for the program. As you said, uh, you're looking at a, a first time to win back-to-back -back Big 12 games not involving Kansas since... 2000. Sheesh. 15. You beat Kansas State and Texas to end the season, I think. Yeah. Two games. 15. And That's I, also the last time you went 7 and 5. And I think they were 6 and 6 and 5 and 7, respectively. So not exactly the cream of the crop those years. All right. I guess that's about it, man. So. All right. See y'all at the Jones. Wear black. Love y'all. The mirage of Del Rio. It was burning in his eyes. And sleep had escaped him. Too consumed by his pride. Like the lonesome and high country he was lost in a haze and the thoughts of what he'd do if he unloaded all his rage a man from Waco the city was almost silent as he passed